Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Shella. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast presented by the Ohio Laborers Union to keep you connected to your labor family. This is Down with the Dig. Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Matt Archer, your host, and today I am flying solo. Shella is off doing an assignment, um, so I will try to handle all the responsibilities myself. But I'm joined by a special guest today, and we're going to be talking about one of the biggest locals, or actually the biggest local in terms of membership in the state of Ohio. That's Local 860 in Cleveland. And one of the field representatives out of that local is Colin Syken, and he joins me today on Down With The Dig. Welcome, Colin. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, Colin, why don't we start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, I am uh, born and raised Cleveland. I uh, bleed for every sad team we have. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's what makes you a Clevelander. Growing up in that town, you learn to live, embrace heartbreak, and you get real tough real fast or you get gone. Everlasting hope. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I've been in the laborers 18 years, started out uh, doing mostly bridge work, and that's where a good part of my career was done. Um, Then after about 12 years in the field... I uh, applied to become an instructor for the state of Ohio, and I taught the apprenticeship program for, I want to say, five, five and a half years at our training center. And then I got the opportunity to come back to Cleveland and become a field rep organizer for my local. Let's talk a little bit about Local 860, because it is, like I said, our biggest local in terms of membership in the state. But it covers a, a broad range of different type of work. So why don't, why don't you tell me what kind of work you guys cover? Oh, Lord. Okay, so with 860, we, we, uh, we have over 4,000 members in our local. I think right now we're somewhere between 41 and 4,200 with both, and this is probably the only place in Ohio you're going to hear this, private and public sector. Right. So when you talked about a wide spectrum of employment, um, up in 860's territory, um, we do heavy highway and utility work. Um, we don't do building trades. We are primarily infrastructure and transportation uh, in the private side, which has been around for, I want to say, 83 years. And so it's historically a pretty old local. And uh, years ago, we started venturing, and before my tenure, we started venturing into the public sector. And now we're at to the point where we have just under 2,000 public sector employees. And when I say that, that is a very wide spectrum. We represent people from different departments of the city of Cleveland, um, Cuyahoga County, as well as a multitude of suburbs with their, uh, their service departments and even the Cleveland Public Library, uh, Safety forces. Uh, with, so quite a, quite a broad spectrum, like I said. Yeah, with, with the county alone in Cuyahoga, I have people in public works, everything from mechanics on county vehicles to mailroom people to custodians. Um, we have health and human service workers. Um, we have the Treasury, Fiscal Department, Board of Revisions. So, I mean, the whole gambit of public sector employment. Well, before we dive too much into the public sector, let's let's talk a little bit about the heavy highway side. Uh, we talk a lot on this podcast about work zone safety, and I know that's a big emphasis in Cleveland and Local 860. What kind of efforts does Local 860 take 
to promote work zone safety. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that is truly, truly uh, close to our hearts. Heavy highway is truly our bread and butter, and we do a myriad of things. Um, we have billboards with messages, you know, slow down or work like your kids work here, or drive like your kids work here, spaced throughout greater Cleveland. Um, our business manager has appeared a multiple of times on the workforce radio, uh, radio broadcast, stressing public safety. Um, we train at 860. I, I think it is safe to say if we are not the first, we are the second, um, most trained at the locals as far as man hours and training each season. Um, We've also, we've actually purchased an old police car, a Crown Vic, and we actually strategically place it at job sites that we know are high-risk areas. To make it look, look like the police are watching. Absolutely. And let me tell you, when people are driving, not paying attention, texting, eating, talking, whatever they're doing, for some reason, that shape of a cop car is ingrained in every single one of our heads. And the minute we see it on the horizon, you feel that foot automatically start to jerk over to the brake pedal. Sure. So it was a, you know, it's a nice little thing uh, that was proactive. You know, unfortunately, some of the things we have to do are reactive. Um, we have unfortunately lost several members in the last couple of years up at 860 who were victims to, to you know, Drunk drivers, right. asleep drivers, texting drivers. Every time one of these assailants is arraigned, we pack the courtroom with flaggers in the bright green vests. I've been to a few of those, and it's to the point we get so many people down there, we are above capacity, and we can't all get into the arraignment. Right. So we're actually even out in the lobby, sometimes 30, 40 strong. So we try to make a great impact to let people know that, you know, you have to really pay attention out there. Public awareness. It's, it's where it's got to happen, right? Yeah. And, you know, and right now we have a member we're protecting. We have a guy who is a, has a 30-year career, been doing zone control for a long time. He was let go from a contractor because they wanted him to sign off that he was on the job site with the zones when one of our members got hit and he refused to sign because he wasn't there. And instead of telling the company line, he did the admirable thing and it landed him out of a job. So we are currently helping represent this man and going after some kind of reward. And that's what the union is for. Absolutely. Well, we know the pandemic has had quite an effect on the economy and, you know, schools and everything else that is shut down. But 860 members and heavy highway members have continued to work, correct? Oh, absolutely. And why is that? Well, first of all, one of the safest places you could be in this pandemic is in the outdoors. And like I said, not doing building trades, but focusing on heavy highway and infrastructure, almost all of our work is in the outdoors. Very rarely did people have to be working on top of each other, and when they did, they they wore their their protection, their PPE, tried to limit the amount of exposure time. Projects kept rolling, even through this pandemic. And I have to tell you, it was crazy knowing what Cleveland rush hour traffic is like in the morning and in the afternoon. 
when that pandemic hit, it was going in and out. I live about a half hour outside of downtown. And it takes me about an hour <laughs> to get <laughs> in and out of downtown. And when the pandemic hit, it was surreal. It was a 30-minute drive, right? which I've never experienced in my life, going you know, from my home in the suburbs back into the city. And in some way may have led to a safer work zone, right? Because you didn't have that traffic right. uh, coming through those work zones. Although, in my experience, some of them uh, chose that time to really put the pedal to the metal and, and zoom right through. Well, yeah, that is, that is the, uh, I guess, the dichotomy, right. so to speak, that with busier roads people have to slow down with less traffic. Yeah. They opened up full throttle and felt it was like the Audubon. Right. The, uh, the public sector there too, they, they stayed working. Um, most of the people we represent are considered essential workers. You know, the government, even though the government shuts down to the public, the government doesn't truly shut down. You know, one example is we have the Cuyahoga County juvenile court, we have the detention guards, the probation officers, the court clerks. Uh, that juvenile detention, that's a 24-7 right. operation. It never shuts. It doesn't shut down, no. You know, and unfortunately, kids are getting into trouble. Kids are coming in. Kids are going out. It's, you know, and the court continues to hear cases to try to get these kids either into a state facility or some kind of uh, probation or, you know, figuring out what is the best thing for each one of these kids case for case. They're not just, you know, throw them in a building and locking the key and saying, well, we'll see what happens when this pandemic is done. Right. You know, those guys worked tons of overtime. Well, I know the movement of Local 860 into the public sector happened before you started there as a field representative. But what were some of the things that led 860 to really focus on that as an area of opportunity? You know, I can't speak with absolute authority again before my tenure, but the lore, for lack of a better word, that's been handed down to me was quite simple. It was a need. It was a need. Um, you had a lot of the private sector working hand-in-hand -in, -hand in these municipalities hearing about how terrible a lot of these municipalities' workers are being represented, if at all. And it just kind of, uh, Tony Libertor likes to use the term hand in glove. Right. And it just, it seemed to be a perfect fit. And, uh, you know, to this day, we've just grown and grown the public sector. And um, I'm spending a good deal of my time organizing as well. We're expanding even further now. We just won election down at, uh, down in Columbus for another organized unit in the county. And we just... Yeah, and we just filed a notice for yet another with the county. Great. <laughs> so we're, we're expanding. Well, I think I, you know, I was surprised being the administrator of the pension and health and welfare funds. We don't get involved in any of the public sector work. They have their own pension through the state. They, they, they negotiate their own health and welfare funds. So I guess I was surprised to even know that 860 had these efforts going on, uh, you know, several years ago. I've learned a lot more about it since then. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They are divorced from our pension. They have PERS, you know, public, you know, public employment. Right. And uh, the thing is, you know, that being great that they've got a pretty good gig and they're not intermixed with ours, they still need representation. And, absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, with the uh, the public sector, I'm finding they need more representation than it seems the private sector does. Right. Uh, what is PERP? Ah, uh, PERP. PERP is the thing that 
is scary how many people in public service don't even know what it is or what it, or that it exists. PERP is an acronym that stands for the Public Employees Risk Reduction Program. You, you think they come up with a better acronym than PERP. Right. <laughs> so PERP is basically an organization within Ohio BWC, Bureau of Workmen's Compensation. And what PERP does is they actually adopt and enforce OSHA standards. On the job site in construction, if there are violations, they get reported to OSHA. Sure. In the public sector, you don't call OSHA. You call this organization PERP, which is actually housed under BWC, but they, like I said, adopt and enforce all the OSHA regulations. The rules are the same. The standards are the standards. It's just the structure you report to and the reporting process is different. That's really it, but you'd be amazed how many workers and, sadly, management people in the public sector, I found out, who don't even understand the structure or what they do. I was uh, showing my OSHA outreach credentialing to a municipality, and the service director told me, well, that's great, but we're exempted from OSHA. And I had to do the double take and right. you know, say, what the what? <laughs> And they felt that, you know, PERP is not OSHA, so they were exempted from OSHA. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. They still absolutely adhere to, need to adhere to every standard. Um, you know, on the management side especially, there, there's just there's a lack of education. So, so what kind of relationship are you fostering with PERP and the BWC to, to get that message out to these stakeholders? <laughs> as far as I can tell, a very good relationship. PERP is one of the few entities, it seems, that tries to be very pragmatic and uh, get out in front of things instead of being your typical bureaucratic reactionary organization. So I am very happy that they are the way they are and they operate the way they do. Um, we have had a connection with BWC in the private side also for a very long time. As an instructor, we would go down to BWC and take classes, sure, uh, which were excellent classes. So what we're doing now with PERP, we're actually, I'm kind of fostering some of the relationships I forged as an instructor into the uh, public sector now, and we're trying to advance educating the public sector because the private sector with an established apprenticeship, um, we're turning out better workers who are going to be safer because they're getting educated instead of putting things together 15, 20 years across their career when they finally really feel they know things. Right. And in the public sector, I, I hate to say it, but training, it's an afterthought, if that even. So we are really um, trying to bring it to the municipalities, counties, whatever organization is, we're trying to bring it to their mindset that if you want less problems, you need to educate your people. Right. So, a safe, high-qualified, high-quality workforce would benefit everyone. Absolutely. And, you know, you would retain more employees if they felt more invested in their job. But right now, what kind of buy-in do they have if they're not being trained and they know they're just a body filling a slot? Okay, let's talk about CERB or the State Employee Relations Board. Relations Board. Another great acronym. Um, I, I have to tell you, uh, 
public sector, it's almost like being in the military. It's acronym <laughs> after acronym after acronym. So the State Employment Relations Board, um, this is basically the public sector's NLRB. You want to give that one a try? National Labor Relations Board. A plus, Matt, A plus. So in the private sector, you go to the NLRB because the commerce isn't tied to its state of origin. You have contractors will work across state lines. Therefore, these penalties are going to go to a federal government. When you're dealing with municipalities or, or counties or anything, they're functioning only in the state of Ohio. Right. So this is basically fans of small government. This should be something that they totally buy into and love. Instead of getting into the federal bureaucracy, things are handled at the state level with employers, municipalities, etc. within the state. So it is basically an, L, an NLRB at the state level for local public employees. So any employment disputes or anything like that would, if they can't be handled at the local level, would eventually rise to a CERB so, level. A, absolutely. If um, we have an issue that we grieve and we don't get um, sufficient redress of our grievance, then we would elevate it to arbitration. And if there seems to be a pattern of these bad behaviors on the employer's part, we could do something like file an unfair labor practice at CERB, just like contractors can get an unfair labor practice filed against them with the NLRB. Colin, I know a a lot of local 860 has a lot of family ties. The current business manager, uh, Tony Libertor, his dad was heavily involved in the local. What kind of other family relationships do you see there in local 860? You know, there are tons. And again, I'm not one of the quote unquote new heads. You know, I came in almost 20 years ago. And at that time, I was like the um, the unicorn. I didn't have friends. I didn't have family. I happened to get in the local and, you know, busted my tail to do a good job and get everything that I've gotten. That being said, there are uh, many, many legacies in, in 860. I can't tell you the amount, when I was an instructor, I can't tell you the amount of trainees I would have of young men and women who would tell me that my father's an 860 or my mother or my uncle, you know, or, hey, my my best friend I grew up with. And uh, it's kind of funny. I would be in class very often and I would have a trainee just say, Oh, hey, so-and-so wanted me to say hi to you. And it'd be someone I worked with in the field, you know, nine years ago. Right. You know, so, okay, there's a connection here. And then I found out when I became an instructor, you know, all these guys I worked with are telling their friends and family, oh, hey, if you get this instructor, Colin, tell him you know me, you know, you know, he'll, he'll look out for you. And, and that's great. But let me tell you, as instructors, we looked out for everyone. Sure. Um, but with 860, it, it seems to, and I'm sure other locals are the same. But it seems to be like a tradition, a lot of families hand down. You know, a lot of kids grew up knowing that 860 is what put food on their table, what, you know, got them through school, did all kinds of things. So a lot of them, um, quite honestly, a lot have college degrees. And guess what? Those jobs that they went to school for aren't there. Right. You know, people say, oh, the manufacturing, it's more than manufacturing that's gone. You have a lot of people who spent a lot of time and money in school who are coming to laboring to actually make a career. 
And I know you run a scholarship program up there, correct? Uh, yes, we do. We have a scholarship and um, we have several different ways to fund it. We sell 860 merchandise at our uh, gatherings and we uh, typically have a clam bake in the fall. Uh, the proceeds go to that scholarship fund this year, unfortunately, with COVID. And Not just, possible. yeah, impossible. Just think about clams, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, all hand food. It was just not going to work. So we are um, really, really hoping that uh, we get through the other side of this COVID thing and our life can go a little bit back to normal. I think we're all hoping for that right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's funny. A lot of the public sector people who are, you know, now getting, you know, more involved or they've merged in with uh, 1099, um, it's kind of funny. They're seeing field reps in the field now, like they've never seen before. They're starting to talk to the road crews who are out there. Um, in Cuyahoga County, there's a group of sanitation engineers who, when the digging gets too deep for the county, they don't have the equipment, they'll call a signatory contractor in Cleveland to come do the deep excavation for them. Well, now they're brothers or sisters. Absolutely. You know, it's not just the, uh, the guys you're subbing to. Now it's uh, it has a whole new meaning, and uh, I'll tell you from both sides, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the membership. So that that really just some days you work, you work hard, and you're mentally exhausted. You think you would fall asleep very easily, but it's the opposite. Your your mind is still going, trying to figure out what needs to get done. And then I'll get a phone call or a text, and I'll hear someone's anecdotal story about, you know, meeting someone else and, oh, they were totally cool to me. And, you know, it's the little things like that that kind of... It makes it all worth it. You know, you get your nerves on edge and you hear these stories and it's like, it, it takes about 10% off, maybe 15% off. <laughs> and you can actually start to relax a little bit more and you know what you're doing has a purpose. Colin, thanks so much for joining us today and, and talking to us a little bit about Local 860 in Cleveland and the, and the kind of work that you're doing up there. Thanks a lot for having me again, Matt. And uh, if anyone is interested more about 860, they can go on to Facebook or our website. I believe it will be posted in the show notes. Thank you very much, Colin. If you have any questions, comments, or show suggestions, please drop us a line at talk at downwiththedig.com. Also, please remember to like us, share us, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Stay safe out there. Well, now you're up to date. Views and comments expressed on this podcast may not be those of Ohio Labor's District Council or LIUNA. Thanks for listening, and let's be careful out there.